Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Warknowns, a Privateer Press podcast. I'm Locke, he's Caster, and today we are going to watch Locke Juggle Resource Notes. Yay. Hello everyone and welcome to Lore Nouns episode 8. And we plan about we are planning to soon talk about something other than War Machine and lore. Yes. Not that those aren't important or exciting. But we are a Privateer Press podcast, and Privateer Press does other things. Yes, definitely. Um, time to research and do other things has been limited, but we're going to make an effort to switch gears and give you guys some more uh, content on different topics uh, once we decide what and when. Yeah, we're talking about uh, either level 7 or Riot Quest, so yep, we'll see what happens. Definitely. And I'm, I'm excited for level 7, but honestly, Riot Quest is fun too, so yeah, but, we um, haven't covered the Riot Quest rules, and that is a shame. We should do that. Well, mostly for ourselves. No, <laughs> come on. Let's not spend a whole bit of time oh, talking yes, about yes. this. Come on. You've right, got lore. You've lore. Got downs Make all right happen. so where we left off last time for those of you who maybe this has been a while since you heard the last lore announce the last lore announce episode i left off in 4250 br which was right yes 4250 br which was the year that the uh Lyosans began building the bridge of worlds to connect between uh, we should have listened to the end of the last Veld. episode before we did this one. Well, I, I know where we left off, so that's going on. Okay. And then we talked about the civilization of Uros, which is the first civilization of man who are living down in the Shattered Spine Islands. You actually found a resource that showed you an exact picture of where their capital was. Yes. So if you have, um, I'll have to relink that uh, map for uh, people in this episode, but there's going to be a link to a map. You can look in the bottom right-hand corner, or centrally place, I should say. There's the Shattered Spine Islands. In the Shattered Spine Islands, the ruin that is furthest to the west from all the others on the islands, that actually is Urus. We know that it's that location. We don't have names for any of the rest of it. Still don't know if it was the Urus civilization or just the city of Urus amongst many. Don't know, but that's there. Game of Thrones up here. I did, however, also discover a whole bunch of new resources that I wish I had like five episodes ago. Of oh, Mouse. yeah. No, he's got a whole lot of stuff that he's going to backtrack on later for you. Well, on certain religions, yes. So, uh, stuff he's going to add to. Yes. So we will be adding that stuff. We're going to have a breakdown of cults. It's going to be amazing. Cults, churches, sects, septs, all that sort of stuff. 
Uh, so we will be probably doing that after we do um, the twins, the Mar and Maro, after their ascension. We'll probably touch on it then. It's going to take us forever um, to get there. but okay. Actually, no, we're coming up on it pretty quick. <gasps> Very good. So it's uh, they're after the Warlord era. And right now, what we're going to be covering today will finish up the prehistory. And next lore announce will begin the Warlord era. So look forward to that. Nifty. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right now, we need to um, talk about... Actually, I got... I'm going to throw up two disclaimers right now. First off, I'm going to be taking a few creative liberties with my descriptions. Not that I haven't before, but there's going to be a little more of it to this episode than previous. Uh, I'm just going to... You're a terrible historian. Go on. What? (laughs) I was going to say this at the end. I'm just going to state it now. There are times when people are like, oh, the Mayans exist and now they don't. There's more to the story than that. Come on. Like, what was the climax? What was the moment or the span of time that it doesn't state? Well, well here there was a very similar thing. But we know. In this particular case, we know. People just don't talk about it. So I am going to do so. Okay. In my own words. Okay. And Yes. I'm not changing any of the history. The events unfold exactly the same regardless. You're embellishing. Now go on. Yes, yes. The second thing is a little less of a disclaimer, but more of uh, a finishing up of something. When we talked about Oroz and uh, Ichthyr and all of that, the civilizations of man, we talked about the canon of the true law. I have it. So I want to actually put that here so I don't forget later. The canon of the true law, which is Menoth's commandments, if you will, <gasps> or laws. Hit me. They are as follows. There is no god above Menoth. <laughs> there is no labor unendurable in the name of Menoth. <laughs> there is no pain unbearable in the name of Menoth. There is no fear unassailable with faith in Menoth. There is no object that cannot be given up from Menoth. (laughs) There is no word other than the word of Menoth. And finally, there is no end. There is a place for all of us at the feet of Menoth. (laughs) Well, alrighty then. That is the canon of the true law. And the canon of the true law are the tenets by which the Menite faith has followed from the time that it was given all the way up to the current point in the timeline of 609 AR. All that time. Centuries. So, very important stuff. It's just amazing to me that they became so chill for that for a while. I think it was a calm between storms. Not before storm, between storm. <laughs> So, um, yes, and with that, uh, we are, keep this in mind, because at the end of the episode, we're actually going to be looping back to the humans, okay? This isn't all just going to be the Lyosin podcast here. All right, so, <clears throat> without further ado, let us continue with the timeline. So, in 4250 BR, the Lyosins began building the Bridge of Worlds uh, to bring the Divine Court into the Land of the Living on Cain. In 4240, the scorned philosopher Morkash 
begins teaching enlightenment from the study of agony and pain, adding another layer and a step in the right direction to form the school of mortithurgy. Next, before we get to the year 4000 BR, we need to explain what the land looks like and what exactly the, the land of Laos and its empire sits upon. The land is lush. There are bountiful plains all around for herds and animals as well as cultivating all crops that could be imagined. The cities are immaculate far beyond anything that the current Iosans possess. The capital of Ios is actually in huh nothing gone is actually inferior in many ways to the ruins of the distant outposts of Laos as it was then wow the desert that is currently called the bloodstone marches at that time was merely a small desert and was nothing very remarkable about it. None of the storms or extreme conditions that exist today existed then. The scorned tribes, nomadic lifestyle amongst the plains, the fields, the rivers, the streams, all were pristine and well cultivated and maintained by the Lyosans or kept at bay lest the scorn take it. Next, I must remind you, for those that maybe haven't read our, or listened to our episode on the Divine Court. The Divine Court are the eight deities that exist in the Veld, their home. A place somewhere in or around Urkan, the afterlife. They have a vast army that is constantly at the vigil against the inferior... Ephemeral enemies. Ephemeral. Ephemeral. My goodness, I even have it written Infer- here. Ephemeral. It's called Ephemeral. I had to look it up. Uh, so, Ephemeral, what that means is something that cannot sustain itself for very long, such as uh, a. Infim- in- oh, god damn it. I will say that word. In- okay. No. Yes. My tongue is for, for instance, a. Huh? Ah. Yes. Well, I'm you sure. You're saying it wrong. I, I am saying it. it. I I listened to someone say. Okay, oh, okay. I am sorry. We're breaking the cadence and everything. But anyways, what it is is there are enemies that attack the Veld regularly that can only last in a physical form for a short period of time. Oh my! I wonder who that could be. They are plentiful. They are powerful, and they are relentless. Constantly, as the uh, Divine Court's armies and people in the Veld are building the Bridge of Worlds on their end to connect to the one that the Lyosans are building, they're constantly being harassed and harried. And they're like, yo, we gotta get out of here, bro. Well, they're not escaping the Veld. That's the interesting thing. They simply want to be able to have ready access to walk back and forth between the land of Kayan and the Veld 
to be amongst their people. Why talk through a medium when you can be there directly showing and teaching? And the no, no, don't do that. Yes, and a lot of no, no, don't do that. Here's the proper way. Get it right. You might have it right in a few centuries. And keep in mind, the Lyosans themselves, the first ones, were truly immortal. And those that came after had exceptionally long lives that were kept even further beyond their physical limitations by the power of Skyra alone. She would invigorate them every spring, so that no one truly died unless they died in battle, or through you know, an accident or something. No one died of disease or old age. Eventually, we reach the year of 4000 BR. After 250 years, the Bridge of Worlds is complete. With much fanfare, feasts, theater, and poem, all are anticipation of this one moment, the crowning golden moment of their civilization, the divine court crossing the barrier and stepping foot upon Caen for the first time, now and completely among their own people. And upon that event, the moment the last one's feet touched Caen, all was consumed in a bright light. We do not know how many Lyosans were present. This would have been the event of the century. Anyone that could have gotten away from their duties to be there would have been. Nobles, commoners, the army is splayed out in an array. Only those left at the borders to guard against the scorn would have not been able to come, or those whose duties were too vital to the function of the people wouldn't have been able to get away. All others would have been in attendance. So, with that in mind, the streets would have been packed full of people like, packed in like sardines. Children raised up on the backs of their fathers and mothers to see the special occasion. Armies in, on display, priests chanting, vendors, nobles, anyone and everyone present. All waiting for the joyous occasion. Their gods in the flesh. But all stood as skeletons. For as the brilliant white light hit them, that is all they would have seen. The skeletal form of everyone around them, followed by a silent, a stun that would have crossed the masses. Just a few moments to wonder what had happened before a shockwave so powerful it would hammer those standing instantly into the ground, breaking limbs, necks, arms, all like matchsticks. Moments later, the heat wave would hit them, the feeling akin to a person engulfed in flame running through them before consuming all to dust. Are you saying that there was a nuclear blast when the gods showed up? Those were the fortunate ones. So there was a nuclear blast when the gods showed up. The Bridge of Worlds tore itself apart 
and an arcane explosion so massive it cracked the very tectonic plate the continent of Imarin sits on. Quick note, our neighbors are setting off fireworks. I apologize for the background noise. Where the vibrant river Hales once rested upon, uh, rested upon, the abyss formed. A chasm so deep it goes right down to the molten arteries of the very planet. That's one thing that I've always wondered about. The ocean is spilling into this gigantic chasm. Yes. Isn't the ocean going to eventually run dry or something? I'm actually going to touch on that. Oh, nifty. Go on. Yes. Sorry for getting ahead of you. That's okay. Nyshiel, the great and glorious capital of Lyos, was obliterated. So great was the explosion that survivors from hundreds of miles away described flaming stone debris falling on them. Records of these times describe blue-white fires from the wake after the explosion that burned indefinitely, without fuel, and could not be put out by any means arcane or physical. They burned the very stones that made their mighty cities like they were cordwood, leaving no possibility of runes or remnants. But at the beginning you said there was runes. The outlying outposts. Okay. Yes. The, the core of the civilization is no more. On that day, the small desert to the southwest of Nishael would grow immensely over the next decade to become a vast and nearly impassable waste that the humans call the Bloodstone Marches, and weather patterns were irreversibly changed across all of Imarin. The humans account these events as well as a vast bright light that erased the night in the land surrounding Ichthyr. From all accounts, the night sky became as day with light shining in all manner of baleful colors. The very earth opened up to swallow entire towns and settlements, all while reigning of the reign of fire lasted 60 days and 60 nights blasted the verdant plains of the bloodstone marches and sweeping it north and west. The shape of the land changed irreversibly, and overnight the northwestern lands of the marches became increasingly hostile. Lakes dried up, livestock became barren, and the storms washing out from the plains forced aggressive and dangerous creatures to roam into human lands. The time of the burning sky, as the sage priest Angrund named it. It scattered the Menites of the northern plains and forced the dwellers in the southern lands into the regions near modern Caspia and Sol, the proud city of ancient Ichthyr, the first city of man, so it is said, was abandoned, and so it would remain for several millennia. Others, however, were also present in the area. One of Toruk's prodigy, its identity unknown to this day, was caught in the supernatural cataclysm caused by the collapse of the Bridge of Worlds in the Eastern Emrin. 
While the cataclysm obliterated, obliterated the elven empire of Laos and changed the geography and climate of Khan, the dragon survived. Its athonk was permanently, however, damaged. Altered so severely that this dragon became what is known as the Chimera, an ever-changing monster dwelling in the abyss, unable to remember who or what it was, and constantly changing its shape, searching for its true identity, hoping that something it consumes will help it remember who or what it once was. In all of this carnage, in all that occurred, however, the Divine Court was not harmed in all of this. But what, pray tell, caused this? We do not know precisely. I don't know. God stepping foot on land? Okay, go on. Sorry. So, actually, I would like to stop for a moment and speculate what may have caused the cataclysmic and arcane explosion. Ooh, I'm always up for a little speculation. Was it perhaps, as you say, too much divine power in such a small space? Mm. For the explosion did not occur until the last one of the eight stepped into Cain. Perhaps if only seven had, the explosion would not have occurred. Oh, I know who the last one would be. Who, do you think? Well, he's always mentioned last. I mean, it might have been him. I don't know. It doesn't actually say who the last one was. So, you think it was... Um... Oh, God. Horrible time for this to happen. <laughs> Name. Nope. Um, nope. Nope. Winter. Nope. Elves. Nope. 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 God dang it. Nope. I knew this was going to happen. I'm having one of those days. Um, <laughs> I want to say Nero. It's not Nero. It's, um. Nope. God dang it. <laughs> Never mind. I remember everything all the time. Yes. That's, that's the. No. I have no idea. I can't remember. No. Nero. No. I already said Nero. God dang it. <laughs> Starts with an N. Mm. We're moving on. <laughs> His power was too strong for this world. I guess. He kept that he, world. He, he's going to taunt me all night long tonight. I know. He's going to appear in your dreams and be like, Biatch, how could you not remember my name? I might, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you are an Iosin. Yeah, I know. We forgot about them for a couple centuries. Um, Nisser. Ah! Nicer. Nisser, yes. That guy. God dang it. All right, so. <laughs> so unforgettable and last that I can't remember his name. Hey! <laughs> I'm an Iosin. What can I say? Anyways, um... So, perhaps what caused the explosion, however, was a slight mathematical or cosmological error. Ooh, cosmological. Or, could it have been that one of the inferior 
to use your closer to your term, enemies, tried to grab oh, one of yeah. them as they crossed. <gasps> oh! Or tried to sever the tie or maybe, so they can't return. Maybe tried to cross with them. To cross with them? Ooh. Think, think, think about it. In their world, when they fight against the, um, the Divine Court, they are stable in that world because that is the world they come from. But yes. when they're in our world, they're fleeting and, and almost non-existent. Well, they're also fleeting in the, the Veld, but they can appear quickly. What if they tried to cross the bridge so they could be have a, have a stronger presence here and the bridge rejected them? That could be. Maybe an arcane protection was put in place so they couldn't come across and that's what caused it? Maybe. Or my most favorite theory of all... Yeah. Is the Veld imploded upon their exit because it could not exist without them. I thought they were still going to the gate, or the souls were still going to the gate. So that we know that's occurring, or at least that's what's supposed to happen, but we also know there's no one there. No one there to direct them. At the same time, we do not know for certain that the Divine Court knew or didn't know whether or not it would implode. They've never left. What if they knew? Ooh, to get away from the ethereal enemy they intentionally they, came across? They, they risk their own people's lives to save themselves. I could totally see the Divine Court doing that. Like, I could see some of them being like, hey, this isn't right. Wait a minute. You mean we could get away from the ethereal enemies and live a among our people and direct them directly? I don't see a downside here, guys. Mm. Yeah. Well, when we cross, it's gonna there's going to be a huge nuclear blast. I mean, that could be bad. Well, I mean, you know, we lose a few people. We're, we're there to protect them. It'll be fine. I, I could see them just We can rebuild the civilization very easily. It's not a big deal. Yes. So regardless, whatever the cause... It is said that the tens of millions that were present died in the initial explosion. Kaboom. And I do mention tens of millions now and not earlier because I just found out that number after I had written the original piece. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> While millions more died in the aftermath due to unnatural weather, fire, or famine. That of Nishiel that or Nishiel that did not burn to ash fell into the abyss. That to this day the oceans to the north and south of Imran are still trying in vain to fill. And with that, I move to the next part. Why this, don't the oceans run out of water? I will get to that. Okay. I'm going to touch base on that at the very, very end after everything else. Why? Because it's not directly part of the narrative. Fine. So this next part is actually going to be coming from two separate passages that I have. Cut from two different sources. So the story is going to split slightly, but it's the same narrative. Passage number one. 
Anytime now. I'm sorry, I lost my place as soon as I pulled it over. Okay. Only one word can describe the impact of this terrible event on Laos. Annihilation. Our empire and most of our people were simply gone. Tens of millions died instantly and millions more perished. Those inhabiting the fringes starved or were set upon by predators or scorn. Were it not for our gods, I am convinced our people wouldn't have been no more. Fortunately, our creators were unwilling to relinquish what they had shaped. The gods had survived the explosion and stood among our people. Where they, where they could expand their divine strength to shelter as many as possible from the devastation. Over the next decade, the gods marched the survivors west away from the horrors consuming the east. During their passage, the people were beset by countless terrors. There were too many for the gods to protect us fully. At a crudish at a crucial juncture in the journey, a host of brave warriors made the decision to sacrifice their own lives to preserve the safety of thousands of others. These were the Dawn Guard, Ooh. an ancient order then devoted to Nairo. The Dawn Guard moved to the rear of the long procession of evacuees to battle the relentless aggressors. Most of these courageous knights, the surviving remnants from the ancient house of Nayar, died amid the sands of the expanding desert, so that the people could escape. Indeed, some believe all of those who bore the name Nayar perished in the crossing, but nobles of that house insist the bloodline survived to this day. Next passage. Is this is the wrong page? Why am I not on the right page? Hold on. Ah, here we are. Okay, try this again. <clears throat> It was a most unfortunate day when, as the gods stepped into the world of mortals, the bridge of worlds shattered. It is unknown why, but the ensuing explosion tore through the capital of the Empire. The Divine Court watched as their children disintegrated into ash. Poof. The gods themselves were unharmed, but the great capital of the Empire of Laos burned to its foundations. Not a single elf survived that day. Like a ripple spreading outward, the rest of the empire was pummeled by a series of titanic disasters, and the world seemed undone, and hundreds of thousands of elves perished. The story of the Lyosan flight from the Ashen Plains is another tale in and of itself. Suffice it to say that that day, led by the Divine Cart, they fled the ruins of Laos in search of a new home. In the west, they found Ios, 
Over times, the gods guided the survivors into a new era, but all was not right. With the connection to the Veld severed, the powers of the Divine Court were waning. Soon, they lost control over the shaping of life, and the elves became vulnerable to illness and old age. It seemed the gods could no longer protect us, their children. Bum, bum, bum. So that concludes the events that occurred between 4,000 BR and 3,900 BR. But that is only the conclusion of the events for Laos. There is another people close to that area that were also affected. Oh, you mean the Scorn? The Scorn were affected, but not as severely as others, for the Scorn were accustomed to living in harsh lands and living off the land in a nomadic lifestyle because they were not set in one location. They endured and also because they were accustomed to a harsh lifestyle of self-inflicted pain and agony around every corner, they were accustomed to such things where lesser beings could not endure it. Ooh. No, the people I refer to are those of Urus. Oh, the humans. The humans. In the southern south of the Empire of Laos are the Shattered Spine Islands. Mm -hmm. The history of the Uras people lie in the ancient past of Imran and is unknown to the pe uh, My apologies, this is another transcript I'm reading. Uh, is unknown to the people of Western Imran. Even to this day, there is a limited interest in their own history, and their record-keeping is given to the preservers, a low caste of people that serve as living archives for their masters. They are not proud of their history, viewing their ancestors as debased and diminished beings ruled by superstition and emotion, rather than the beings of ever-pure reason that they have evolved into. These are the people that would eventually be called the Cephalix. <gasps> Ooh, Cephalix! They were the inhabitants of the original human civilization of what is now considered the Shattered Spine Islands. Predating Senat, Urus was the primary city of this civilization. Aha! It was a civilization. Okay. And they were the worshippers of the creator of man, Menoth. Wait, so are you telling me the Cephalics used to worship Menoth? Yes, they did. Oh my. When the time of the burning sky destroyed Uros, some of its inhabitants fled to the mainland, unable to survive in the harsh conditions created by the cataclysm. Menoth would not be happy. They found the lands of the Alsir subcontinent and burrowed under the earth, believing the destruction to be a sign of divine wrath. Grr. The legends of these survivors went on to survive in, and survive, including cannibalism that led to them believe themselves accursed and unworthy of continuing worshipping Menoth. <laughs> Alrighty then. We're going full crazy here. 
Gradually, the survivors formed a harsh subterranean caste society with ta taboos on physical contact. And eventually, all the base functions of life were considered taboo. The very lowest caste handled the treatment of waste and the disposal of the dead, and the higher castes coveted themselves in black, encompassing garments. Reproduction was heavily ritualized, and unapproved children were eliminated. The higher castes devoted themselves to mental purists, dis distancing themselves from all physical labor and food production. Patterning their or pattering their civilization on insect hives. They delved into many studies previously forbidden, hoping to concentrate entirely on the unshackling of their minds and reconciling the physical and the mental. You may go ooh again. Gruesome anatomical experiments by these philosopher surgeons was augmented by the creation of lenses and polished crystals and mechanical implements that enabled them to gain immense knowledge of the nature of flesh, organs, blood vessels, and brains without spoiling their own bodies. Interesting. Eventually, they were able to create the first unthinkable drudges through this. Oh my goodness, how do you enunciate that? Don't ask me. Cephalomech. Cephalomech. There we go. Cephalomech. First from their own ranks and later from the raids from surface dwellers. Reshaping, altering, and twisting their brains and minds, the Cephalix unlocked the telepathic potential that allowed, or that now defined them. Speech and writing became unnecessary, and the potential for biological information storage was greatly enlarged. Eventually, they developed their powers to such an extent that they could manipulate the world around them without physically touching anything. Utilizing mechanical prosthetics through telekinesis and levitating their own bodies, the Cephalix gained an appreciation for the biological sciences that no one had previously experienced, raising them to new and new understandings of everything. The growth of their telepathic powers enabled the Cephalix to read the minds of their peers and even dominate and damage them. Previously, the most esteemed thinkers had held leadership positions, but these were now usurped by those Cephalix, most capable of shielding themselves from mental intrusion and forcing others to do their bidding. Bidding cutthroat competition led to the creation of the Exelons, enforcing their will on others through mental domination. They also developed the ability to nourish themselves on the mental en energies of other intelligent beings. <laughs> they eat your thoughts! They do. They eat your thoughts! 
The fiercely independent nature of the Exelons, along with resource shortages, I can't imagine why, led to the splintering of the original hive and the establishment of many such uh, centuries of cephalic civilizations beneath the mountain ranges and forests of western Emerin. They <laughs> hate your thoughts! This occurred in what the surface dwellers called the Warlord Era, and continued well beyond into the Thousand Cities Era, with the cephalic, ki cephalic kidnapping surface dwellers and turning them into drudges. The, the Exelons and the cast below them were always engaged in fierce competition with the beings capable of refining and increasing their mental powers, dominating societies. Simultaneously, they developed the Cephalomech alone and in research circles. The Cephalics were gradually able to greatly extend their lifespans and mental powers of the Exelons through one of their challenges as a society was their focus on analytical thinking at the expense of creative insight. And that is what I have to say about what used to be the people of Uras. They're the Cephalics. They are. That's cool. So... The Iosin city, or Iosin, uh, capital of Shire, is founded in 3900 BR. The Uras people, running away from their lands due to it becoming harsh and inhospitable, become the Cephalics. The Iosins are annihilated. The Iosins are formed. And thus we begin the stage for the Warlord era at the beginning of 2800 BR and the Lords of Mord forming the beginnings of the Kingdom of Mord. Okay. And that concludes everything I have on uh, that time period. That's interesting. Now tell me about the crack. <laughs> so, the, uh, the Abyss does span the entirety I'm sorry. The abyss does span the entirety of Amarin. From the top, from the north, all the way to the south. And the ocean is perpetually filling it. However, there are springs, ponds, and actual lakes and rivers constantly bubbling up from the ground that did not exist, or at least records do not show them existing, prior to the cataclysm in the time of the burning sky. So, the water's pouring into... The crack and the earth, or I mean, sorry, um, cans going. No, I don't want this. Push. More precisely, as is with the case with volcanic activity, the water falls down onto the lava, is turned into steam, and forced up through cracks in the earth to form geysers, hot springs, uh, bitter lakes and sulfur lakes and that sort of thing and this has actually been documented as occurring and uh, some records indicate those did not happen in that region of the Alshir subcontinent at least until after the cataclysm okay so that is what is believed what is happening up north however we don't have any record of what is happening there but likely something very similar Okay. So, thus, 
a cycle occurs. And plus also what I didn't touch on is the, uh, or I only hinted at, is the storms are constantly going over the entirety of the abyss. From the northern to the southern, there is a constant and permanent storm uh, of rainfall and thunder and arcane outbursts of energy constantly occurring. And this not only Poor makes... Dunia got a big crack in her. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, any water evaporating up would also be absorbed in this and rained back down. Okay. So that's also where some of the water is going. Oh, that, make, that, makes, that makes sense. So... That makes sense. Yeah, it does. That makes sense. Also, the... Um, I'm going to touch on it now because I don't know when else I would touch on it. The, uh, and since we're talking about the Alchir subcontinent used to be a plane. Now, in the current timeline, because of the rains and... Oh, sure. I will pull up a map. We will do that. Okay, because of the rains and the... Because of the rains and the, um, you know, the, the bubbling up of the mineral water and all of that. Put your hand down and pull the, up the map. Um, I am so sorry. I am thinking and talking at the same time. This is not working. Um, is that it? No. That's... You have a, a tab literally named maps. Aha. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. I'm ready. Oh, that's low res. Go back. We want to be able to actually read names. Here right, we are. So, so where's the subcontinent you keep talking about? It's loading. It's a big map. How dare it? This is the subcontinent. Altier, uh, Altier uh, subcontinent. Okay, okay, okay. This is Shatterspine Islands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so this entire area, this southern tip here next to the Accursed Sea and whatever is next to it from there, it doesn't say, uh, this all used to be open plains. It is now a rich and vibrant jungle. Ah. Not the lands of Zoo, but it's still a rich and vibrant jungle. Okay, so... Do we know much about... We don't know what's going on over here. The Northeast, no. We have the names of those places. We know that Bethmuth is right there. That's where the giants live, to okay. the north of the Scorn lands. And we don't really know what's going on up here. The far, far north central area, no. We have no knowledge of what's going on in the Howling Wastes or any of that. I like there's some islands up here. Yes. So really, Harshar's I mean, tears. we don't... They don't need to keep us down here. They need to expand. Yes. We need to know what's happening with the giants. What's happening in the north in Koshir's Tears, or uh, Ko, Kohar's Tears, the Howling Wastes. Okay, so, so we, we don't know. Here's the thing. So, um, this is Kador, right? That's Kador. Yeah. That's cold. Yes. That's really cold. Yes. How cold must it be over here? Uh, pretty damn close to freezing. Like, all the time. There are, there's names up there, but there are there civilizations, oh, there are ruins up there. Probably the Lyosin ruins given by the names. Um, Lacey, oh, I like Lacey that visual Mirror. Lacey Mirror. Oh, fiddle with my thing. Yeah, that's, that's all Lyosin uh, ruins. Now up here in these little islands that look yeah, like they're trying to pour into the... Kind of looks like the uh, islands to the uh, northeast of uh, Canada. Mm, that kind of looks like Greenland, doesn't Next it? Next to Greenland, yeah. That kind of right looks like Greenland. Kind of. Yeah, okay. I just, I, they've got some, and then what? what is this? Yeah, they, so the southeast of the Shatterspine Islands, there are huge, huge continents, or, or 
islands, if you will, the size then, of... Here's an entire continent over here. Yeah, yeah, that we ha we know nothing about. We all we do know in the Alcyr subcontinent down here, there are primitive species um, that uh, live there. You know how, like, up in the Bloodstone Deserts, we have the um, the Efreets, the make yeah. of the Efreet Scouts and whatnot. Well, down the Alcyr subcontinent, there's another group similar to that, a primitive people to live there. Hmm. That aren't on the tabletop of Iron Kingdoms at all. So, I mean, there's there's a lot there. So here's the abyss. In the center of the abyss, there are two what they're called plateaus that actually didn't fall into the abyss. One of them is the defiant plateau in the center that is actually close enough to each side that bridges were later built by the Scorn to literally bridge the gap of the abyss. We have the Abyssal Fortress on one side and the Conqueror's Bridge on the other. So it's actually a bridge to the plateau, cross the plateau, and another bridge to the other side of Imarin. And then there's another one that ruins lay on of an ancient city. Nifty. And that is how the Scorn in current times cross the blood, uh, get across to the Bloodstone Desert, cross the Bloodstone Desert, and start attacking uh, Western Amaran and the Iron Kingdoms. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but that's what happens eventually. Okay. And th I will I will link a map uh, to... It won't be the same one I'm looking at because you have to be a backer of the uh, Requiem to... Uh, Iron Kingdoms Requiem to get this one. But I'll have another one in there for you guys to look at as well. But, yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah. And you can see... With the ruins, how far north they went and south they went, just how massive it, the it, empire yeah, it would of have Lyos. been. It would have been this entire area. Yeah, basically, and their capital was here, yeah. over by this uh, modern Scorn Empire. Okay. I mean, it's just immense. I mean, the, the entire thing of it—you could have fit basically the entire Iron Kingdoms as it currently sits in there, and almost all of it would fit. Yep. Huge. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's those. That's what I have for today. I always find it interesting about like um, these these stories where it focuses on such a small portion of the map. Yeah, it, th this is a large map, and there are whole continents that even don't appear on here, and we're focusing specifically on that. Just the just effectively just the western half of a massive continent. I mean, and it, it makes you wonder. So, I mean, the the um, the infernals are appearing all over there, but are they appearing in the Scorn homeland? No, at least not necessarily. And the reason why I think that is, um, as we've learned from the Hand Scrolls after and whatnot, humans. they're going after human souls. Anything else they can get a hold of, of course, they're going to grab. But they're specifically there for humans. I wonder if there's any humans living up here in the Howling Wastes or. I mean, there's giants over there. Well, Rule owns this land over here to the east of Kador and the north of Lael. Oh, yeah, that's, that's so, their lake, isn't it? And the Iosins cut off the rest of it. So unless they track through the... Oh, they could come up through here. I mean, I mean, I know that's all mountains, but yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, actually, they can't because they can't go up into the mountains because the Nis kill anyone that crosses their boundaries. Oh, yeah. Oh, so this is where the Nis is at? Yes, that's where the Nis is from up in here. The, oh, um, God. We went a ways. The Black Ice Mountains. We we went a ways. Yep. Yeah, they they really traveled way far away. I um, mean, if we wanted to travel way far away, we would have gone freaking right. But um, 
No, yeah, they they went northwest and as far as I can get. I mean, if if the if the news really wanted to get you know gone, we could have gone up here. Well, the, it is believed, at least I believe, I should say, that they also took up home in the black, uh, the frost bracken, um, and forest and the lost forest of Rhyolis, uh, or Rhyolis. But that that um, does sound diocesan, doesn't it? It does. But we don't know if they went there or not. It's um, look at all this stuff. They could be over here too. Yeah, they could be all over. But we do know for a fact, and we're going the, to the, learn that this, later. This is probably where Nissers at, though. Yes, and that's where um, Everblight was held captive. Mm, well, I mean, they took him ways. Yes. Because he he caused problems. We'll 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 get into that later. We we are getting way too far ahead. We yeah. need to stop speculating. We we need to end this podcast now because we are just going to well, confuse people are now everybody. like, wait a minute, what's going on? What am I missing? <laughs> okay. We will cover it. Don't worry. Okay, I'm not okay. going to okay, okay. not do that. <laughs> we have left off. Uh, we are starting. Um, when uh, we come back, Lyos was b- b- went boom. Um, Ias was born, and we are going to be starting the Warlord period because elf gods are, you know, not necessarily yes. that intelligent. So there is a quiet period between 3900 and 2800 BR. And so there, we're going to be doing a time skip there because not a whole lot happens that, got tra- that gets talked about or transcribed. So just be aware of that if I come across anything, be sure I will have it there for you, I should say. Um, but... Not much. Actually, is there anything? Maybe there's a little spoiler I can drop from the lands of the dragons. Let me see Seriously, here. do you know how long we've been talking? Nope, nope, nothing. Okay. Anyways, so, all of you have a wonderful evening, or day, or whatever time of day it is for you when you're listening to this. And we love having you here, and hope to see you again real soon. Bye! Mwah.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.